In September 2021, we released an episode on one of our favorite bands of all time, Every Time I Die. At the time, the band maintained a legacy as one of the most steadfast acts in the genre, with a legion of adoring fans and a reputation for never taking themselves too seriously. We spoke of rock god Keith Buckley, a frontman and lyricist who is almost incomparable to anyone else in the scene. We even called him the Bob Dylan of metalcore. We gushed over the creative guitar abilities of Shredder's Jordan Buckley and Andy Williams, and we didn't speak enough, or at all, about bass player Steve Michichi and drummer Clayton Goose Holyoke, as we got caught up in years of happy memories. Sadly, on December 3rd, 2021, the demise of Every Time I Die began, and by January 18th, 2022, the band was no more, and it was not pretty. I'm going to do my best to explain what transpired. My name is Paul, and this is Violence and Sunshine. In this special episode, we'll be exploring the uncomfortable demise of Every Time I Die. On December 3rd, 2021, Every Time I Die frontman Keith Buckley posted the following on Twitter. Caring for my own mental health has taken priority over everything else in my life. The love it has brought to everything I do has been clear to everyone that has seen me, and I value my progress way too much to allow a setback. I am taking a hiatus from Every Time I Die to prepare for Tid the Season. So while Keith's decision may have seemed abrupt to many, a number of fans online pointed out that Keith's commitment to sobriety and a recent divorce could reasonably take its toll on him. Messages of support for the frontman poured in quickly and the band soon followed with a statement of their own on a now-deleted Facebook post. It said, Mental health is a real issue and when not treated has an impact on so many people. Keith needs to take this time to rest and prepare for the holiday shows and we wish him a quick recovery. We also understand that so many of you have been looking forward to these last few shows on our tour, and we don't want to let you down, so we will be playing these last three shows without a vocalist. Like Keith always says, this mic is your mic, so come and help us finish up this tour. Anyone that no longer wants to attend will be given refunds at point of purchase. Fans of Every Time I Die will be well aware that Keith has had to leave the band due to family emergencies in both 2015 due to complications with his then-wife's pregnancy and again in 2017 for another family emergency. On these occasions, he has expressed gratitude to the band for forging ahead without him, but this would not be one of those instances where he showed his appreciation. Instead, responding with a series of tweets saying, Now that I have seen the, quote, official statement indicating that ETID is finishing the tour without their singer, I think I'm ready to tell you all a little bit about exactly why my mental health has had to become a priority over every time I die, and trust I have receipts. While meditating in a side room yesterday, I overheard my own brother tell an outsider that ETID had been in talks to replace me this entire time. I thought they were my biggest supporters, but Jordan had lied. His concern was a cruel trick, and their statement is proof. Traveling separately away from alcohol and the behaviors of those who choose to drink has brought me peace of mind and has made me the best performer I've ever been. I love the ETID community and finally felt like I was giving back in a meaningful way, and I will continue to. Being ostracized from a band I have built for 20 years because I made a decision to do whatever it took to be a good human being hurts me deeply, but trust me when I say I'm the most mentally fit I have ever been. This decision was made to protect myself from my own sibling. This string of tweets shot fear into the hearts of fans, as a band that they had admired and loved for so long, a band that had shown little to no cracks over its 20 plus year history, was crumbling in quite spectacular fashion. This caused fans to question the status of the band, as well as the status of the upcoming Tid the Season shows in their hometown of Buffalo. 
removing their statement from Facebook and cancelling the remaining three shows of their tour, the one they had intended to complete while Keith was home, the band issued another, briefer statement on Twitter, and this has now also been deleted. It read, We apologise to the fans this weekend for the cancellation of the remaining three shows of the Radical Tour. Keith Buckley is a crucial part of Every Time I Die, and we apologise if our previous statement made it seem as if he was in recovery or came off as insensitive to the issues at hand. We are working on things privately now. Please give us a moment, and we will see you all at Tid the Season. Sparking optimism, Keith Buckley responded with a short tweet, just saying, I'll be there. Soon after, Keith Buckley posted a story on Instagram. Stories only remain online for 24 hours, so while I cannot find the video of this anywhere, I saw the video when it was released, and I did my best to transcribe it. For context, a wide-eyed Keith Buckley is bathing in a tub and says the following. Hey guys, I'm very okay despite how things were framed online by the band's statement. I did not have a relapse. I did not have a breakdown. If I'm recovering from anything, it's fucking heartbreak, and that's a process I'm used to getting through. So I want to do Tid the Season. Obviously, there's going to have to be some changes made. I wish no one any harm. I just want to lovingly disconnect physically, emotionally, and mentally for a little bit and reestablish the boundaries that were broken repeatedly over the past 20 years. So you'll see me soon. I'll see you soon. It'll be great. We're great. So with this news, fans remained cautiously optimistic that a resolution would be found. With Tid the Season still happening, a planned UK headliner as well as a North American tour supporting Under Oath, there was plenty of reason to believe that all could be resolved in the Every Time I Die camp. On December 10th and 11th, the band performed at Tid the Season to rave reviews. Fans were blown away by a tremendous live band as usual. Given the success of the shows, an apparent lack of further tension, and upcoming tours, the minds of most fans were eased. On January 11th, the band announced that it was cancelling its upcoming UK tour. They posted a simple statement that read, Due to the ongoing restrictions and financial liability for a tour of this size, we have no option but to cancel the UK tour. Our apologies to our UK friends. Refunds will be available at point of purchase. Due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and the rise of the Omicron variant, it made sense for the band to cancel the tour, though the lack of indication about rescheduling rattled fans again. On January 18th, Jordan Buckley, Andy Williams, Steve Michichi and Clayton Goose Holyoke simultaneously posted a statement on social media. Accompanied by the band's signature eye logo and a photo of the above-mentioned members rehearsing, the statement read, Andy, Jordan, Steve and Goose's last show with Every Time I Die was on December 11th, 2021. While we hope to come to an agreed-upon legal statement that outlined the truth, we were informed today of something planned to be released, not mutually agreed upon, that consists of inaccuracies and controls a narrative to benefit one. There has been no direct communication with Keith, because it's either impossible for direct communication with him solely, or we've been cut off to any and all communication by him himself. Every time I die was these five members, and we were never budging or accepting any changes. Simply, there is zero truth about the band continuing on with a new singer. Lastly, we wouldn't be where we are today without every single person that's backed the band in any and all ways. While we're extremely disappointed in how this was played out online in front of you, your support and the memories we have because of you all will always be cherished. See you soon. Forever grateful. Andy, Jordan, Steve and Goose. Keith Buckley responded by posting a scan of a legal document dated December 20 from a law firm representing Jordan, Andy, Steve and Goose. It would appear that Keith saw this as some type of smoking gun, but it appeared to be a rather pedestrian legal agreement protecting the interests of the band while an amicable separation was found. 
You can find this document online and read it in full if you'd like. Keith also had the following to say. It is a long one, so strap yourself in. There is absolutely no hate in my heart when I say that whatever is going on with the guys from now on is between them and their God. Any emotional mental connection I had to them was thoroughly severed when I got that letter on December 20th. That was where our paths finally diverged completely. I need it to be crystal clear that after their Twitter statement, then deletion, then retraction, on December 3rd, the letter I received on December 20th was the only correspondence I received in reply to a request made for a conversation with them on December 7th. They did not reach out to me to resolve the issue before Tid the Season. After Tid the Season, there were no attempts at contact from anyone in the band nor our management until December 17th when our manager unexpectedly quit. Still, no group conversation transpired. On December 20th, I was sent a legal document stating I was no longer a member of Every Time I Die, but the other four members were. That's a factual order of events as I observed them and I need to establish this before going any further. This is my truth. After I overheard them talking about their plans to replace me while backstage in Asheville on December 3rd, I played the show angrily and immediately left the tour. You all know that. What you don't know is that as soon as I got home, I made multiple attempts to talk to them about their problems with me. Since up to the day before the Asheville show, I genuinely thought things were better than they had been in a very long time. If you saw me perform, then you would know I felt that was true. After that Asheville show, I tweeted that I was taking a break to protect my mental health because honestly, I was fucking devastated. The following day they announced, without informing me, that they would be continuing the tour and allow the fans to sing karaoke style. Additionally, they quoted me as if I condoned or was even aware beforehand that it was something they were going to do. I found out on Twitter the same way you did. Then they retracted the statement and posted a message of support claiming I was a crucial member. Despite all this, because of their public announcement of support for me, I thought they wanted to make our resolution a priority. However, after days of being dismissed or outright ignored, my hope then became to try and at least make Tid the season civil. On December 20th, 2021, I received a letter telling me that I was separated from the members of Every Time I Die, which included all of the members not named Keith Buckley. I was also given a cease and desist, forbidding me from using the name or logo. I immediately lawyered up. I then took the band's name off all promotional flyers for my book tour. I redesigned my social media accounts according to this request. I streamed on Twitch and I didn't mention it. Check my work. I played by their rules even though their cease and desist was not legally binding. I was honestly doing them a solid. For anyone concerned about legalities, I am still playing by the rules and am acting in accordance with the counsel of my lawyer. Quote, the members of Every Time I Die, end quote, returned on January 5th with an offer to give me back the band and instead of separating from me, asked me to take the ETID name back and continue without them, with the condition that they receive payments for using the name and all likenesses while I toured. The thing is, being given the band back and or replacing them was not something I was interested in doing at this point in my life. Also, I did not see ETID as anything other than these specific members. I declined the offer on January 6th. If it was done, it was done, but I was still open to figuring out what was best for all of us. After that, I waited for a response, but quickly became uncomfortable with the fact that tickets to upcoming tours were still being sold. It is my understanding that they had, at this point, no acting manager and therefore no one to take responsibility for their decisions. According to my lawyer, no one was responding to his request to talk either. On January 17th, with pressure from promoters increasing, my lawyer sent them a proposed statement to discuss amongst ourselves. Here it is for reference. In a desire for transparency, I want to let you know that I received a letter from the band's lawyer firing me from every time I die on December 20th. There were no band discussions prior nor since. While the details are being legally worked out, know that I'm in a good place and excited for whatever will come next. I wish everyone well and have no hate in my heart. 
I said that I would release it in 24 hours only if they did not respond with an alternative statement or an interest in collaborating on a new one. As I saw it, something had to be said. I was not going to lie to people to protect the members of Every Time I Die. No response. Later that night, I was texted by a friend telling me to check Twitter. There, I discovered that they had announced on behalf of themselves that we officially disbanded after the second Christmas show. That is how I found out that the band I started when I was 19 years old was publicly over. In posting that without prior conversation, without legal consultation, without any personal sense of honour for the band we built, these men took away my ability to say goodbye to 20 years worth of sacrifice. That is one of the hardest things to stomach. After half of my life in a van, I don't even get access to an Instagram page worth of memories. That, coupled with the incongruous stories that are being told to manipulate and blur the narrative for anyone that might one day look back on this, are to me a wailing and gnashing of teeth. My truth is that the pandemic changed me, full stop. I looked at my life and realized not only was I unhappy, I was exhausted from pretending I wasn't. So I stripped everything back until I found what I loved. Then I worked to nurture that love and set boundaries around it. Any growth that has transpired after that has been, to me, miraculous. After I became sober, I acknowledged to the band the pain I had caused in the past and begged their forgiveness. I promised in return that I would allow the pain they caused me to heal completely and all hatchets would be forever buried. For those understandably unwilling to immediately forgive me, I promised my vigilance at finding the perfect balance of happiness and sacrifice. In return, my mental health was thrown into question when it suited them, or instead it was used as a weapon against me when my boundaries offended those repeatedly trying to cross them. There are a lot of reasons this breakup has happened, but it could not have resulted in any other conclusion. This was inevitable. In all of its ugly confusion and negativity and rumour, our own deep familial dysfunction manicured it perfectly. Our problems with each other go back decades. We should have broken up in 2014, to be honest, but we didn't, for our own reasons. I can't speak for anyone else, but I continued beyond that point for no other reason than to connect with other people through my lyrics and live performance. In hindsight, I'm so thankful I stuck it out. From Parts Unknown, Low Teens, and especially Radical are important records that I feel needed to be made. I still sense Radical gaining importance. But the firm spiritual and political stance I took on that record became an insurmountable point of contention between Jordan and I. I, however, make no apologies for a single word. If we are friends, if we have met briefly, or if we had a whole conversation, if you have read anything I have written, or truly heard anything I have said and feel seen, then please know how thankful I am for all the love you have provided me and for all the beauty you have shown me along this road. This is the beginning of a new one, I promise. To anyone just kind of concerned from a distance, trust me that I'm good, for real. I have had a month to process all of this. I am happy. You don't have to believe me. It won't change what I know to be true every moment of my blessed life. If you question my character, you can read any of my lyrics and see that I have been very transparent about my life and my struggles. And if you don't see me by now, then I'm just not for you. It doesn't mean we can't mutually acknowledge that and go our own ways in peace. Unfollow me. Don't support anything with my name on it from now on. It's cool. We'll both be better off for it. Also, please do not send any hate towards anyone regarding this. I sincerely wish them everything they deserve. I have absolutely no plans to comment further. Perfect love, perfect trust. Keith. Bass player Steve Michichi took to Twitter to give a lengthy explanation about the band's side of the story. And it's a refreshingly honest spiel which I'm going to share with you now. And again, this is a long one. I know what has transpired over the past month has been confusing, vague, sad, totally out of character, leaving people angry, etc. I know this because Andy, 
Jordan, Goose, myself, and every single person behind the scene to make ETID Go have felt those with you. This band of 20 plus years of hard work, dedication, doing it our own way and with pride was torn down and ripped away in a matter of four or so tweets at wee hours of the morning in December of 2021. A band that we were so immensely proud of was reduced to TMZ soap opera ashes in quite possibly the saddest demise of anything I've ever seen in my life, and we were a part of it. While I've been cringing at even the thought of doing this, I am now choosing to stick up for my friends, co-workers, anyone that's ever had a hand in ETID and myself. Our manager retired in June. There was a seamless transition to a new manager who was formerly our day-to-day -day point woman. She was incredible at her job, so we were all comfortable with her and all five agreed to bring her on board. Privately and behind our backs, Keith made a call to her saying he wanted Jordan out of the band. Immediately, an internal rift started. We cancelled a live stream event, cancelled a video shoot, the band paid for therapy for them. After one session, one, Keith had convinced the band that he could continue on and keep the band rolling after numerous talks about every member being more open, more transparent. We were feeling good about the future. We play a COVID comeback show in Buffalo. We find out from management that Keith was trying to cancel the show even after every single safety precaution was humanly done. So in full transparency, we got on a group call and asked Keith about it. He immediately called our manager a liar. She started crying. He hung up the phone. Hung up. No accountability. We awkwardly sweep it under the rug and head into Furnace Fest and the Radical Release. The tour started off seemingly well, until we got one week into our tour in Omaha. After the set, Jordan walked back on stage after kids were shouting for another song. While backstage, I go, are we doing this? Keith replied, that's your boy. No, that's all our boy. Right there was when I sensed this therapy session did not work. It immediately soured the rest of our tour moving forward for us. This is the band. These five guys, everyone here are boys. Well, whatever, we have a tour to do, we march on. We were in full support of Keith traveling separate. We supported him in ways that I won't disclose, but he knows he had full support of the band. There was no crazy drinking on this tour. I don't drink on tour, Goose doesn't, Andy doesn't, Jordan maybe two and two more for stage props. Keith was showing up to shows 10 minutes, sometimes five minutes before set time. And while I mostly wasn't paying attention due to my own pre-show rituals and warm-ups, it was casting a reasonable concern as to what if the RV breaks down. I have zero clue what Keith claims to have heard, but there was zero conversation. I mean zero about replacing Keith as the singer of Every Time I Die. Keith knows that because I've told him that personally and via text numerous times recently and over the years. He stormed off the stage after the show and refused to talk to Andy and myself. We waited. We waited longer. His girlfriend told us, I've been trying to tell him to talk to you guys. While well, we waited longer, she went to get him. And he never showed up. We sat there for over an hour waiting. I could tell Andy was defeated and deflated. We all were. The next morning as we woke up on December 3rd, we found out via Twitter that Keith was leaving the tour. He never told us. Never told management. That's how we found out. Keith cited mental health reasons. So in full support of Keith, like we have always done, we addressed mental health in a statement wished him well, and hoped to play Tid the season with him. Also, keeping in line with band history, when Keith has left a tour for whatever reason, we have always continued on with whatever friend we could beg at the time to fulfill any obligations we had. This time, though, we didn't even feel it was right to have someone fill in. So to not disappoint paying ticket holders, the four of us agreed to continue on and just have kids come up and sing their favourite songs. Does it suck not having Keith there? Absolutely. But what are we supposed to do? We found out via Twitter he was leaving and wouldn't talk to us. So we posted that we were going to do those three shows. Well, Keith somehow took this as a personal attack. 
What followed after that is still shocking to me and quite frankly will never understand it. That statement was not proof of anything. It's what we've always done. Whatever he claimed to hear did not warrant in any way, shape or form the slander of a fellow band member publicly, nor did it warrant tarnishing the legacy of the band we were all in for two decades. We, along with management, the label, booking agent, were in absolute shock. While scrambling to decide what to do next, we got word that the 68 tested positive for COVID. So we made the decision to cancel the final three shows and contemplate the future of Tid the season. On Saturday, December 4th, I called Keith. He didn't answer, so I texted him. He did respond to the text with a, if you have anything to say, say it here. He also said, I don't trust either of you, when referring to Andy and I. Wasn't sure what we did, but I looped Andy in on the text. Keith led off by saying, I'm not talking, I'm reading. The main bullet points of this convo are as follow. His main concern was why Andy's girlfriend unfollowed him on social media and why I laughed at something Jordan said in our dressing room that I don't even remember happening. He threatened to walk three times, leaving Andy and myself an ultimatum to choose him or Jordan. Friends don't give friends ultimatums. He accused Andy and I of allowing physical and emotional abuse towards him via Jordan for 20 years. Do you think for a second that Andy and myself would ever allow or stand for anything like that? We're just waiting daily for a healthy dose of abuse to happen and let it slide? Never. Keith said the outcome of Tid the Season happening was in our hands. What? You put us here. We didn't budge. Not for a second. We chose every time I die, like we always have. These five members. Keith wanted Andy and I to teach a filling guitar player over 30 songs in four days. And I still laugh at that. After hours of desperate attempts to say we weren't taking the stage without Jordan, we came to the agreement to play the Xmas shows for the kids and the bands that travelled. But in order to do that, we had to meet the demands of Keith. Separate dressing rooms on the other side of the building. A statement saying we apologised, although all we originally did was address mental health, which is verbatim what Keith tweeted in regards to him leaving the tour. He demanded no alcohol in the rest of the band's dressing room, even though no one was drinking and Jordan barely was. We play the shows with zero access to Keith. Not one word said. During that week between the tour and Tid the season, Keith was accusing Jordan of making fake set lists to hand out to him. Never happened. He was blocking us from social media, only to unblock me on December 6th while I was at a Bills game to comment, noted, super cryptic. And when I texted him to ask him what that meant, he didn't reply. Look, he refused to take the stage any further with Jordan in the band. He dragged the band name over hot coals online for the public to see, accusing Jordan of wild shit, leaked private text messages between Jordan and himself in only what I could imagine was some attempt to make Jordan look bad and didn't at all. He threw that legal document up, some mic drop attempt that tried to make himself look like he was fired, when his own lawyer even knows that that's not the case and you can see for yourself it's not. Look, at some point you have to take your own life back. There were completely irrational tweets sent out, ruining the thing that everyone in the band built. We read between the lines enough to come to the conclusion that Keith could and would continue without us. So guess what? I know some people don't want the fairy tale ruined, but the band is a business, and the four of us, rightfully so, were setting boundaries and protecting our interests. That's it. That's all that this is. And for this to have even gotten to where it is is so sad. I have nothing to lose band-wise by posting this other than to stick up for a band member undeservingly slandered and ourselves. The band was already ripped away. I hope everyone understands how much this hurts every single one of us. Our manager quit management completely because of this. Take a guess why. I absolutely appreciate each and every one of you, sincerely from the bottom of my heart, and I will always remember these experiences. I ultimately wish Keith the best and truly hope he does find inner peace and no hate in his heart like he constantly says he has. Enjoy the music that's out there, 
and hopefully myself and the rest of the guys that choose to make music with me will see you soon. Jordan Buckley has also been active on Twitter since the split, and he provided some hope to fans with the following. Van Halen and ACDC are the only two bands that successfully replaced a singer. We never had any intentions of trying to be the third. There is no replacing Keith, which is exactly why we never even gave it a thought. Tremendous talent. Very gifted. For over 20 years, we would write music, then hand it to one person. That one person no longer wants it. So I guess we just have to hand it to someone else. Maybe. Who knows? We're in no rush, but the riffs pile up. I gotta do something with them. I hope I never stop getting in a room with these three to write rippers. Our ability to write music together has only gotten better. I wouldn't even know how to stop. So for now, that's what we know about the uncomfortable demise of Every Time I Die, and this may not be the last we've heard of it. Every Time I Die is a band that made me immensely happy over my 17 years of fandom, and the messy public nature of this breakup is not a fitting end for such an excellent band. Jordan, Andy, Steve, Goose, and Keith, you don't owe us anything else. I just wish it didn't end this way. So that's it for this episode of Vance and Sunshine. You can check us out on Instagram at Vance and Sunshine, or you can send us an email at vanceandsunshinepod at gmail.com. We love your reviews on Apple and we love five-star ratings there and now on Spotify too. Make sure you've subscribed if you haven't already and go tell a friend about one of these bands that we've been talking about. Thank you for listening and join us next week when we'll be back for the beginning of season two and we'll be kicking that off with Good Charlotte. I'm Paul. Nick will be back with me next week for the start of season two. Take care and don't forget, it is better to destroy than to create what is meaningless.